Fuck. I'd like to ask you the question this morning. What was the whole purpose of the upper room experience that happened with Jesus and his disciples? What's the purpose of the upper room experience just for something that we should do every 13 weeks or once a quarter? We come together and we have the Lord's Supper and we do football. We came together to do. I'd like to suggest today that the reason for the upper room experience was for two things. One, it was for us to learn and to act of loving service towards one another. Not from a place where we're better than somebody else, but from a place where we're equal to everyone. I believe it was Jesus' process, time, a time in which he could share with his disciples the need for them to feast daily on his body and the blood of the room experience is not just for us to replicate every quarter. The purpose of the upper room experience is for us to replicate every This morning as we go through this time, I pray that you will take upon your heart Jesus' last message. When somebody leaves, they give the most important thing. They say the most important thing. The most important things that you and I can experience or need to know and understand and to live before he leaves this earth. Let's just pray and uh, we shall continue our journey. Heavenly Father, we, and we thank you so much, Jesus, that you left us an example. You left us a message of how you want us to live our lives every single day. And I pray that you will come upon all of us here and that we'll experience change within our lives, that we continue to feast on Jesus Christ. We continue to grow and our lives be changed because you are present. Open our hearts and minds, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. What was it like in that upper room around that table? Some people say, oh, it's a beautiful experience. It was a lovely time. I'd like to suggest to you that... In fact, it was very discomforting. People were in distress. People were going through agony. Some people felt very uncomfortable. Other people... And yet in all of this discomfort of the upper room experience, Jesus Christ once again shines through. He has the answer. And I'd like to suggest... Our daily lives. In that room there was anguish, there was anger, there was sorrow, there was distress, there was confusion. Exactly the same as what our lives encounter. This is the answer. I'm going to present to you the answer to your struggles, the answer to your distresses. And so as we go through the experience of the upper room, it's not just to relearn what Jesus is saying. This is how you live in the world in which you are faced. In that upper room, there's a lot of sadness. 
Because Jesus has just said to the disciples, hey, one of you is going to betray me. Then we've got Peter and his ego. And he's saying, hey, Lord, I'm going to stand by you to the very end. I won't run away. And as we know, he was the first to run away and deny Jesus. He says, oh, Jesus, don't embarrassing. You can't do that. And then there was the pride. It records in the Gospels that there was a confrontation there was an argument there was a disagreement with the disciples in the eyes of Jesus Jesus looks at me and he thinks I'm better than you and so there's this terrible condition of pride that's going on in the discussion of those disciples this was a meal that was good but then let's add to that because the Bible records in in the gospels that evil was also present in that room The fact that Judas was there and as he was taking the bread from Jesus, Jesus actually said, hey, uh, Peter, the devil wants to sift you. He wants to take you and the rest of the disciples. The devil was active in that upper room. This is no easy meal. And as we read in the Gospels as well, as they left that upper room, it says that Jesus went out and prayed. And it says in the Gospel, he was in anguish. That sorrow and that anguish had begun in that upper room. It wasn't something that just happened when he got into the garden. That upper room says that is what our lives are like. Our lives are like that upper room experience. We all go through that. But Jesus knows what to do. In all the chaos in the room, Jesus knows what to do. And recorded in John, it says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, Jesus is giving us an example. How do you confront this world? How do you confront pride? How do you confront egos? How do you confront sorrow? You actively, humbly, selfishly stand on the ground as an equal to the disciples. Not as somebody greater, but as an equal, lower and serves them and washes their feet. That is how you cut through, cut through the evil in the lives that we live. It's interesting that Jesus says, hey, I have not come to this earth to be served, but I come to this earth to serve, to learn from this process of foot washing. He didn't just actually do it because it was a cultural thing. He would have done that when they first entered the room, if that was the case. But it says that while they were having the meal, it was so confronting because there was so much happening in that room. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 12, Do you understand what I... That's the question to myself. Have I understood? I've washed people's feet ever since I was baptised into the Adventist church. But I haven't understood what it's about. Or do I just go through the motion? And after I have to go and wash their feet, and after my second bowl of soup, I've forgotten the whole experience. It's, it's gone. It's done. We'll wait till the next... 
in the 13 weeks' time and we'll do it again. And I'll choose somebody else that I feel comfortable with. But get across to you. It's not just the process of washing somebody's feet. It's are you willing to serve equally those people around you? Jesus says, now that I have shown you what to do, you should serve people. You should love people. You should have humility and compassion towards people. This is the example, he says, that I have set before you. And I ask myself, do I just example? That's the challenge for me as we spend time washing each other's feet. I ask the question, whose feet do I need to wash? If you're having people, if you have difficulty being with somebody, may I suggest you need to wash their feet. And that's a pretty hard thing to do. Person, if you struggle with somebody that doesn't look the same as you or act the same as you, Jesus is saying you need to wash their feet. Not just wash feet, but to wash. In washing people's feet, even Judas, who betrayed Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I love you all. And that is what he's trying to get across. Let us break down you. Or we're better off and so we can serve you in a certain way, but we're not equal. Jesus is saying we are all equal and we need to wash each other's feet. In America, there was the hippie culture. And in the culture of the hippies at that time, there was a young man called Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie had a relationship with Jesus Christ. He had a very difficult life. A hippie. And one day, Lonnie came into contact with Pastor Chuck Smith. Pastor Chuck Smith ran a church, a small church, out of about 30 or 40 people. And he would look at the hippies in his They all need a bath. They're past salvation. They're past God's uh, ability to change them. Yet one day, Lonnie and Chuck came together. Understand what was deep within a lot of these hippies' lives, that they were looking for something. And Lonnie shared with Chuck about his love for Jesus and the fact that the church would not accept the hippies. They were bad business. And Chuck was moved by this and so he said, look, I feel a change. I want to invite you to come to our church. Chuck was beginning to bend. Change was happening in his life because he was prepared to invite them to his church. And so one by one, each week, a few more hippies would come to his church. On one side of the church were the hippies. Well, after a little while, some of the church members didn't like it. And so they came to Chuck and said, Chuck, you've got to get rid of these hippies. They're not like us. They don't dress like us. And in fact, they don't wear shoes. And our new hippies, they hadn't understood the concept that Jesus was teaching about when he spoke about washing one another's feet. It is about accepting. It is about well, Chuck, the following Sunday, did something interesting. He sat at the door of the church with a bowl of water and every hippie that came through that door, he washed their feet. Church, 
And some of those people who couldn't bend down and wash the feet left that church because it, it didn't relate to them. It couldn't relate to them. They couldn't handle it. As Jesus says, some of the disciples, when Jesus talks away as well, but they kept inviting him and eventually that church was full. So they set up a tent outside and that tent was full of about 1,300 people coming to worship God. And they said over that period of converts to the Lord, because Chuck, Pastor Chuck, was willing to bend down and wash the feet of somebody who looked a bit different, who sounded a bit different, who acted a bit different. Understand the experience that Jesus was teaching in that upper room experience. I'd like to introduce you to Lisa. Lisa is a member of the homeless uh, support group. Lisa is on your left. Gathers clothes. Her whole house apparently is full of clothes. Her kitchen is full of clothes. Her bedrooms are full of clothes. Her lounge room is full of clothes. She wonders where her husband actually moves through the house because it's all full of clothes. And part of the homeless group down there, which gives out food and medical supplies, she organises and gives out clothing. Mono suggests to you this, that Lisa does not necessarily attend church. Gone and washed somebody's feet with water in a bowl at church. But I am suggesting that Lisa washes the feet of the homeless people in this. These are people who make us feel uncomfortable because they drink, they smoke, they are on drugs, they're abusive, they're fighting. They're not the people that we may necessarily feel comfortable with. But for the least of those, you have done it for who? For me. And I'd like to suggest that sometimes we think, well, we've just got to do the ritual. We've just got to do it in a different way. He says, hey, it's about actually acting upon it. It's not just doing the actual event, but it is actually allowing me to flow through you. I believe she washes Jesus' feet. And this is Mary. And we've been journeying through the life of Mary in our prayer uh, group. And um, after reading a lot of things and listening to some very wise people in uh, our uh, prayer group, Mary, I believe, had been changed. Jesus had met Mary in a special way and he looked into her life and saw a beautiful woman. Most other men looked into her life and saw something that they could use. confronted Mary, he looked into her life and he showed love and compassion and kindness and said, you're a beautiful person. And in response, Mary did an amazing thing. She said, this is one man who actually is the beauty in me. And so she comes and takes some perfume. And just before Jesus' crucifixion, she pours that perfume over her feet and she washes the feet of Jesus. Me again this morning. Everything she did came from her heart. She used her hair. She used her tears. She used all of her body to say, God, you have done so much for me. And Jan has shared with us in the group that that perfume that Mary put on Jesus' feet that day was with him on the cross. It would have still been there. The beautiful act that changed her life. Jesus changes everything. He treated her 
like someone who was worth something. And what Jesus is, treat people like they're worth something. You're no better than them. We're all the same. Serve them with love and compassion. That is what I want you to teach. I want to teach you tonight. It's not just to go through the process of Lee, to love them, to show compassion, to minister to them. So as we now stop and wash each other's feet, I'd encourage you to think who it is. Is it someone I've got problems with? Is it somebody that I can't forgive? It is, somebody, is it somebody that is so different to me I can't accept them? Is it somebody who doesn't look like me or act like me or believe like me? Is that the person? As you wash each other's feet, challenge each other, encourage each other to actually think, who is it that I should be washing feet for? We are all equal in Jesus Christ. He has set the ex- Do you understand what I have done for you? That's the question I have to ask myself every day. Do I understand it? Or do I find it easy just to go through the motions? Today I pray that we will be led to wash others' feet. People that we sometimes cannot find the time to be with or the desire to be with. But we wash their feet just like Jesus did. In the upper room, uh, Jesus met with his disciples. And it says that uh, when you have a meal with people in that your friend, I'm not here to hurt you. And it's sad that Judas was in that room and he didn't understand that concept because he was there to bring hurt. But Jesus, it says, disciples, he was eager to celebrate this Passover. Because I believe he wanted to teach them something. He wanted to show them these really important aspects of what it means to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. It was part of their regular process of having a meal. And then he took the cup and he took the bread. And Mick reminded me uh, last week that... uh, When the men were walking along until they sat down and Jesus broke the bread that their eyes were open and they realised it was Jesus. And as you look through the church in the book of Acts, it says that they were taking bread in their homes and fellowshipping with one another because that was part of this experience of growing in Jesus Christ. Breaking bread and meals together, sharing. And I like to suggest that to do here in this church, but we can do it in our homes. We can do it with our families. We can do it with our friends. And then our eyes will be open and Jesus will be revealed. Jesus spoke about this all through the gospel, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness, for they will be filled. Us this day our daily bread. I believe he's talking about the daily spiritual bread that you and I need every day. Jesus says in the book of John, John chapter 6, he says, Heaven and gives life to the world. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. What was he trying to teach? Is that we must consume the bread of Jesus Christ just like normal food. We need it 
every day. This week, read chapter 6 of John. In John chapter 6 it says, I am the bread of life. This is Jesus speaking. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I have given for the life of the world. Very truly, I tell you, unless you can have life in you, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll rise them up in the last days. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and I, and I in them. Jesus points out in these few verses that the Israelites ate manna how many times a week? Every day. Jesus is saying to you and I, we need to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus Christ every day. And then we will live. For the Jewish people, it would have been offensive to even contemplate blood because blood was seen as an unclean aspect. But Jesus turns it all around. He says, you must now. The wife said that when you eat something, what happens in your body? It changes things in your body. Your cells begin to grow. Your body begins to develop. Your body changes. And when we eat the body of day, your Life will begin to change. And I ask myself this question. If I don't feel that my life is changing, am I not? If everything in my life stays the same, is it because I'm not feasting on Jesus Christ? That was what he was trying to tell his disciples in that upper room. Feast on the world without me within you. Mick, my good friend who spends time with prayer uh, in prayer with us on Sabbath morning, is going to pray a blessing upon... I'd ask you if you wouldn't mind if you could uh, give the uh, prayer on the bread and wine. Uh, I don't know where the mic's gone, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, here it is. Mike's got it. Mike should have the mic. Thanks. What a wonderful sermon we've had today. And surely the Holy Spirit is with us this day. As we pray, our loving Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that is things. And please, Lord, as we um, take part of the um, Last Supper, dear Lord, as we take the um, bread representing your body, dear Lord, and the wine representing your blood in one another as you treated us, Father, that we should all be the same, Lord, and we should all be love one another. So, Lord, please bless us, Father, as we partake of the Last Supper, Lord. Remember me, Lord. So let us remember you, Lord, this day. And may you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd invite the ladies, if you'd like to uncover the emblems, and then if you could... God provides the beautiful body of Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, sinless. I encourage you today, 
not to just take the bread and consume it now and forget about it later, but rather as you feast on his body every single day, that you'll commit in your life, that you'll want to be fed by the bread that comes down from heaven, the broken body of Jesus Christ. Please take And just as the bread was consumed, Jesus took the cup and he said, I'm establishing a new covenant under grace because of my shed blood for the forgiveness of sin. You can experience this every day as you, as you unite with me, as I live within you. You can experience this and drink my blood. May I be part of your life every day. Well, what next? I pray that we'll die our daily bread. Give us the body, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And as we reflect on Jesus every day, Jesus says, I will remain, they will remain in me, and I set aside some time every day to feast on Jesus Christ. This, I believe, is the meaning of the event of the upper room experience, disciples, and to teach us that we are to remain in Him. Every single day. It's just us. We have to decide whether we want to do that. We have to decide whether we want... Jesus says, eat and you will live. Eat and you will live. I pray that we'll all desire that every day. Let's just bow our heads. Father God, we thank you so much. Jesus, we just want to thank you for your life on this earth what you came to teach us. And I pray, Lord, as your spirit moves in our life, that we will come to understand what you have done. This place will not forget about the event that occurred on that cross. We'll not forget about what happened in that upper room and just go on with everyday life. But we will be reminded and need to feast on your body, on your blood every single day. Lord, it is only with you in us that we have any hope in this world. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you continue to do every day to feast on you so that they may live, they may live a life that reflects, that resembles, that shows that is Christ living in us. Come like you, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.